hello, this is the Spotlight on Science. I'm one of the hosts, Becky Hogue. I'm a science reporter for the Daily Emerald. And today we have with us... I'm Renee Dobray. I'm an architecture student at the University of Oregon. Um, I'm in my fourth year undergrad, and I'm graduating a year early in the spring. And she was one of the speakers for the TEDx U Oregon series, which recently came back just this year. I think the last year was 2013. And so this is our first, their first year back. And she was the token undergraduate. <laughs> token, out, I like that. <laughs> out of the nine speakers. Um, and the reason why is because she has some really cool knowledge that she wanted to share with everyone. And it involves a little friend that she has sitting next to us, which is her mm-hmm. 3D printer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so can you break down for us just like, what the different types of 3D printers are and which type you have and how you got to be in possession of one? Yes, of course. So there's two basic types of printers, an FDM and an SLA. Um, I picked the FDM because it's like the cheapest, most affordable option. It's the easiest to work with. Um, SLAs, they're resin printers. Um, They're higher quality and they're mostly for like um, kind of making prototypes for products for companies. And so I kind of wanted something for myself for school, for learning. Um, and so an FDM printer, they print um, in a layer-by-layer process with plastic. Um, basically, the nozzle melts the plastic and stacks it up versus an SLA. Um, F- oh, my God. Um, versus an SLA printer, they print out of resin, but they print upside down. And so basically, you have a bath of resin, and a focus light is applied to harden each layer, and the print is pulled out upside down out of the bath. Um, and so basically, my FDM... It can print almost anything. There's so many different material options versus SLAs where you can only use like resin or ceramics or things like that. Um, And so I can kind of print anything and it's really cool, like wooden chess pieces or like paper clips. And that's why I picked my FDM and I really like it. And do you have a lot of friends that have 3D printers as well? (laughs) No, but I have people who become my friends when they find out I have a 3D printer. (laughs) Use you for your 3D printer. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) No, yeah, I wish, I really wish more people did. I think there's a stigma against it, um, especially in the architecture school, because um, you have to pay to use the 3D printer and it's really expensive. Um, And the person that works it, there's only one person and they don't work a lot. And I think it's just kind of a hassle for people. Um, And so people are just, like, intimidated by the technology in general. And so they're like, oh, I'm just going to build my models by hand, you know. Um, But there's actually 3D printers I heard in the library in the law school, and you can use them for free. And they pay for your materials and everything, apparently, which is so cool. I mean, I kind of, I don't know if I would have bought mine if I found I'm just kidding. But isn't that awesome? Like, I wish more people were aware of it and not afraid of the technology. Yeah, I didn't know about it. Mm -hmm, So what are different materials that you can print with? Oh, okay. Okay. So there's, oh, there's so many. I just got this, my printer right next to me has a wood filament and basically can print. It's not like full wood, but it's like, um, it's broken down into particles and basically melted. And when it prints, it looks like wood and you can like um, you can stain it. You can like polish it. Um, there's also like metal filaments, which is the same thing. You have to polish it. Um, there's plastics. There's also materials that um, dissolve in water, which I think is so cool. But it's a little bit more on the pricey side. Um, but you can the concept of that would be really cool if you maybe someday have like if there's companies that have packaging that is water soluble and so once you're done with it you can just throw it in the sink and it'll like go down it'll be done it'll go away you know Mm -hmm. um there's also oh there's carbon fiber too which i think is so cool but i don't know what i would print with carbon fiber it's also very pricey so (laughs) yeah 
Yeah, I can't even. Wh- what would you? What would you make out of carbon fiber? You could do like a phone case. That'd be kind of cool. That would be cool. My like laptop um thing, like the top of it, the keyboard is made out of carbon fiber. So if like I don't know if it breaks, I don't think it will. But <laughs> if it does, I can print a new one. <laughs> and did I hear right from the presentation that you can also print? Beer and hemp? Yes, 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 yes. Okay, they have, um, they take the leftovers from when they make beer out of the barrel and they turn it into a filament. I don't know the total logistics of it, but yeah, it's basically made out of beer and then hemp as well. They just, I think, I don't know how, I don't know the exact process, but they take the product and they make it into like a plastic and you can print like anything out of it, like a bottle opener or something, which I think is so cool. It's basically taking like a product waste and turning it into a new product, which is really cool. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Recycled plastics mm-hmm. too. Is yeah, for one. sure. Yeah, and there's companies that take plastics, so you can take like an old model that you're not using anymore and send it to this company and they shred them up and turn them back into plastic spools to reuse for later. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Yeah, absolutely. So, what is the most complex or exciting thing that you have had your machine make? Oh my god. Oh, good question. Oh. <laughs> complex hmm I think oh okay I think the hardest thing I have done is made custom prints a lot of times people have 3d printers but they don't make the models they just grab them from online websites like Thingiverse like I talked about in my TEDx talk but um the hardest thing I think is creating the model um because you have to make it airtight and there's so many standards you have to fulfill to make sure it prints right um especially if you have like overhangs and stuff like that and so I think the most difficult thing I did, I built this sculpture for a, um, a design competition and I had three different parts and I had to figure out how to create meshes and use um, like crazy design software to make it parametric. But I had the best time because I learned so much after all the tears. I learned so much stuff from that project and I ended up using three different materials and I used one that changes color with temperature which is super cool. So like I made it so it's in the center of the um, sculpture and when you apply heat to it, it turns from pink to white. And it's just like this interactive process and it's this idea that maybe someday architecture can be like that where you have a sculpture that or a structure that changes with like when pressure is being added to it or something like that. Yeah, so that kind of goes into what you discussed during your TED Talk, which is how you can implement 3D printing into future innovations. Mm-hmm. You were talking uh, about possibly even having a house like rebuilt itself after mm-hmm. a natural disaster or, or uh, sending over uh, instructions on how to make a tool and then having mm-hmm. it uh, create a tool for you for like third world countries. Mm-hmm. In the way of that, can you discuss how that would like go in the way of pricing? Like it, mm-hmm. these things are s- currently stupidly expensive. Yeah. Like how... How would this possibly happen in the future? Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of companies out there right now. Actually, I talked to someone over spring break and he um, he's speaking to someone who's trying to invent like a handheld 3D printer. And so basically you put like your phone on it or something and it uses the light from that phone to create prints like with an SLA. I know it's crazy. And this thing is like two hundred dollars. Yeah. So the one I have is higher quality. It's it was like a thousand dollars. You can buy printers for three hundred. I think it's just getting the technology out there, getting it on the market. I think having people want it more will make it cheaper. Like flat screen TVs ages ago were like $50,000. They were so expensive. And now you can buy some for like 300 You know, on like Black Friday, you can buy one for $200. And so this idea that you can make an investment in a product, leave it in um, a community in like a third world country, and then they can just pay um, for the materials. And the materials are really cheap. They're like 200 I almost said 220 <laughs> $20 a pound. And like an inch will cost you, I don't know the exact, it depends on what you're printing, but it can cost you like 
$3 to print a tool, you know, versus having to ship it over and have to pay for the product. And this idea that this can eliminate waste one day by instead of having to mass produce a ton of products and put it in a store, people can just print them in one individual one for their homes, you know, and so you don't have to have waste left over from the products. That's an interesting perspective because mm-hmm. I feel like when I first heard of it, I was like, well, isn't this another way that more people will just be able to produce random items or something like that? But um, that's a good point, like not having to make a surplus of things to be able to have consumers have access to what they need when they need it. So that's a really interesting perspective. I know that you also talked about um, how the 3D printing ability could also help possibly almost train different people in different countries to be able to use different tools Mm -hmm. or to be able to use stuff like a 3D printer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so basic the process of it, it's pretty simple. I think just creating the actual like digital model is a difficult part, but you don't have to do that. You can have softwares that do it for you. You basically just have to find a file, put it like there's a little SD card on the side of my printer that I just insert here and put it and just calibrate the printer. And so maybe this idea that um, people can like scan a broken limb or something and have it put it into a software that generates a custom print for it, custom fit, and then it creates the right file type. And you just put that file on your SD card, put it in your 3D printer, and then just set the heat of the bed, set like the leveling and all that kind of stuff and just have it printed out for them automatically. And then this can inspire people to want to go out and not be afraid of it and go out and kind of pursue this technology later. Because I know like now in school, they're teach- in elementary schools, they're teaching kids how to like code and stuff like that. Like, can you imagine if they taught that to us? I would be so less intimidated by it, you know? Seriously. Exactly. So teaching people, like, about 3D printers earlier on, you know, can inspire people to not be afraid of it later and make it a more common thing. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, some viewers might be like, well, it'll be easier for people to get a hold of weapons Mm -hmm. and different things like that. And you Mm -hmm. talked about that also a little bit in your TED Talk. Definitely. Can you go over what you had said? Yes, absolutely. So a lot of people are afraid because there's this big stigma that 3D printers can print anything, you know, and you can print scary things. But the thing is, people have, they say in the media, there was this big issue that they were saying that people were 3D printing guns. But in reality, they were printing pieces for guns, not whole guns themselves. But if this becomes a reality where you can print a full gun, you can somehow create um, – I worked with AI recognition software over the summer, and there's ways to, t- to train the software to detect like certain um, like shapes and certain systems and have it recognize something. So maybe this idea that your printer can detect something that looks like the mechanical system of a gun or a knife, and it can be like, nope, that's I'm not going to let you do that, and it's going to cancel it out, you know. It's like a child lock, yep. but for bad people. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and plus, in the end, they I looked online, too, before I, I did some research on it. And the people have been able to print knives and stuff. But the thing is, it's out of plastic and it's not sharp enough. And people have, like, tried to sharpen it, but it's just not there yet. Um, and so it's really, really, really difficult to do that stuff. And no one has, like, fully printed a full gun, you know, not yet because of all the mechanical systems, you know, all the logistics of it. It's just not really possible. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So you can like make like parts or like the yeah. outline of a gun, but yeah. it's not like you're creating yeah. any machine. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What are what are some things that you could not include in your TED Talk due to oh. lack of time that you would like to talk about with your 3D printer? Oh, my God. Good question. Ugh, I wish I could, like, teach people how to do it because it's, like, people are like, oh, yeah, that's cool. But, like, I have no idea. Like, I mean, yeah, cool. You do this website. You go on this website. You use this file. But, like, they don't know how to do it. And I really wish I could have taught them that. Um, I'm actually going to be speaking at After Hours on the 19th. 
and kind of doing a little tutorial on like how to create like a basic one, how to the basic process of it. Um, a lot of my friends in architecture are very intimidated by it because they're like, oh, that's like there's no way I can do that. Like the all the softwares and stuff, but it's the same softwares they use in school. And so I really wish I could have taken the time to show people that. Um, I wish I could have taken the time. I wish I had more time too to like create a cool print, like a big fun one, you know, but I only had 10 minutes and your printer only works so fast. So <laughs> that would have been cool. Yeah. What'd you end up doing? Like a bat symbol or something? It was like a little that? TEDx. A little it, TEDx. Yeah, it said TEDx. And then I picked it up. I was like, oh, TEDx. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. I got yes. a picture of yeah. you doing that. Oh, oh, cute. Oh, I like that. <laughs> yeah, I can yeah. send you pictures. Oh, perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um. So what do you hope to like has this impacted what you want to do in the future and um what do you want to do in the oh future God, good question scary senior uh, question no 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 i'm fine <laughs> <laughs> i love this has really inspired me to re- reach out and work with emerging technologies i've kind of i've like loved like i've as growing up i was always like oh i want the new playstation console because it's cool or i want the new computer you know but this has inspired me to reach out into more complex technologies and research and i really want to someday um be able to create technologies that ins- or come up with ideas like this to inspire people to reach out and work with these technologies. And so I think in the future, I want to take this forward to whatever company I work for. Um, I want to work for an architecture firm and be an architectural designer and do a lot of research-based design, I think. And I just really want to push the field forward and try and create processes where that make like construction cheaper and faster. So maybe 3D printers that print buildings you know it's been do- it's been done in China but it's not as popular here and so I want to really inspire people and m- maybe somehow further this technology and say- somehow learn about computer science I want to someday maybe go back to school for like mechanical engineering so I can like know how the logistics of these things work do you need a master's or graduate degree to go into um, an architecture firm oh so no you so you need um to get licensed, you need a professional's degree, which is a five-year program, which the University of Oregon offers. Um, but some schools only have four-year programs, and those are not professional degrees. And so you have to go back to grad school and get an, um, to get um, to get that degree. But at the same time, you don't have to get licensed, so you can still just work at a company as a designer. You're just not technically an architect. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's for my own personal Yes. No, no. For sure. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah. And how did you manage to graduate like a year early? Oh my God. I took 21 credits for a year straight. I think it was like my sophomore year. Oh, I don't even remember because it was so dark. It was like so terrible. I would <laughs> I would take online courses at Lane and then I would take classes, 18 credits here. And so I, and then I took my first summer, I took classes at Lane my freshman year. So I just like overloaded the credits. I was working too. Um, but it was, I don't, I just like figured, I was like weirdly good with my time. I'm not as good with it now because I'm a senior and I'm like, ah, whatever. But um, I just always made sure to take more than 16 credits every term. We have a genius in our midst. No, 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 no. <laughs> That is crazy, yeah. though. That is seriously impressive. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, since I'm an environmental person, I have to yes. bring it up and ask, mm-hmm. uh, do you hope to um, encourage any sustainable infrastructure practices mm-hmm. uh, through your own journey into your career mm-hmm. or with 3D printing? Yes, absolutely. Um, the University of Oregon really emphasizes sustainability and they make it so it's like a big – when you're learning about architecture, they're always saying something about daylighting, about sustainable systems and things like that. And the industry is definitely going in that direction. Um, I'm trying to stay in the Pacific Northwest because sustainability is really popular up here. There's things called like LEED certification and um, there's programs that um, certify buildings to become more sustainable. 
Um, and so I really want to push that forward. I always want to make sure to include sustainability. I always do in my studio design too because it's just a big thing. Um, one day it would be amazing to have like buildings that have no waste whatsoever that can like interact with the environment, you know, and not affect it in any way because of all the issues going on right now. Um, and with 3D printers, definitely, I think there is a future for that, especially with recycled materials and less waste. Um, and yeah, and just being able to help the environment, I would, uh, I just hope that someday I can somehow figure out some way to make, um, the architecture field more sustainable because right now it's more like, oh, using less materiality, using healthier materials, but that's not as advanced, I think, as I'd want it to be. And so that'd be amazing if someday I can somehow invent something with 3D printers to help that move yeah. forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or maybe create a nonprofit that yeah. gives 3D printers absolutely. to world country. Yes, absolutely. That'd be amazing. Oh, someday that'd be awesome. Just get rich first. I know, right? And then make money printers. first and then absolutely. <laughs> yes. Donor donation stand by. <laughs> Please. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, let me first ask, is there anything else that you want to mention in this podcast? You have the audience of your peers or anything, no pressure, but like Ooh, also interesting. Very scary. <laughs> I think that, oh, life's too short to be afraid of new things. Don't be intimidated by things you hear in the media. Um, don't be swayed by those guys. Sorry, I don't want to like get political on me to get like we're very... we're in the media. <laughs> no, no, we're like we're in the media. I know, so. I know, I know. I think just don't uh, when you see something on TV and you're like, oh, that's cool, but that's scary. Like, do a little bit more research and don't be afraid to reach out and figure out new things. Like, I don't. Yeah, I think just just go for it. I don't like. It's <laughs> so hard. I have no idea. Be critical thinkers. Yes, exactly. That's that's exactly what I want. Yep, that's it. <laughs> For sure. And with that being said, I want you to show me how this works. Cool. Okay. Okay. Yeah. okay wait, I'm going to show you. Okay. Okay. So first. So maybe I'll move this over Good call. here so that I can kind of talk <laughs> during it. We'll be awkwardly sorority squatting. <laughs> okay. First, you turn it on. Wow. <laughs> so technical. Know, I'm already right? scared. I know. It's very intimidating. And then it's just going to warm up a little bit. Um, okay. Let's see. Okay, so first you need to preheat it to make the heat plate hot enough so when you print um, a product, it sticks to the hot plate. Um, Because a lot of times if it prints on something cold, it's not going to stick. And as it's stacking, the file is going to, like, spread everywhere and just get messed up and it's going to fail. Oh, my God, how do I describe this? (laughs) Be close. (laughs) Okay. Um, So basically this 3D printer, it has has a hot plate that's located on the bottom and it's located on this, like, kind of – what's the word? this (laughs) slider yeah there's like so there's like a slider on the bottom and Mm -hmm. there's a little screen that's Mm -hmm. in front Mm -hmm. and the screen what does the screen say so the screen has like the basic stats of it so like temperatures what the heat's at things like that on the level of the nozzle um and so there's a nozzle at the top that moves on an x and y axis um xyz axis and so it will move up and down side to side very straight very like um in a very organized way um, and so then at the top, there's a spool of plastic that's being held by the machine and it f- is fed directly into the nozzle. She's really good at manhandling uh, the 3D printer. <laughs> <Yep>. Like, <laughs> didn't you say something about how like the TEDx people were afraid to oh, touch yeah. it? They were afraid to pick it up. I was like, just just grab it. <laughs> so I like grabbed it from the top. They're like, oh, OK. <laughs> like, it's not scary. OK, so first you preheat the printer. And so you go down on the menu and hit preheat. Um this is where you kind of select the material you're using. And so I'm using a PLA, which is a type of plastic. Um, and you can adjust this temperature. <coughs> Excuse me. 
Okay, and so as it's preheating, I'm going to select the file that I'm going to want to print. Um, I'm going to try and print paper clips right now just because it'll, for the sake of um, speed. Time. Yeah, for the sake of time. Um, and so you go print from SD card. So you're, you load an SD card into the side of the screen, and that will have all your files in it. And she has already done so. Yes, I have a lot of files on here. I need to organize them. <laughs> okay, and so I labeled it paper clips, thank God. And so I'm just going to click paper clips. And so the computer uh, wants me to update. So the printer is loading right now. It's heating up the bed. It's like kind of figuring things out right now just to, um, for the sake of to print effectively and cleanly. Um, and so it basically kind of preheats the nozzle to like 215 degrees Celsius in the bed at like um, like 60. I usually raise it higher, though, just for the sake of so it sticks because sometimes the prints kind of fail. And so you can tune up the printer as you're as it's loading, and so you can adjust the heat of the hotbed and things like that, um, and the speed as well. I usually do a slower speed because when it goes too fast, it can be kind of sloppy sometimes. So do you recommend at a point not to touch this because it yes. gets too hot? I mean, it gets – it's like 80 degrees. It's like, ah, when you touch it, you're like, oh, it's warm. See, you can touch it. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. But yeah, so it's like kind of warm. Yeah, go ahead. You can touch it. <laughs> it's just like kind of warm, you know? Yeah, it's not too bad. But the nozzle, you do not want to touch a nozzle. It's like 215 degrees Celsius. It's like Have you way, ever touched it? Yeah, on accident. <laughs> really bad. <laughs> okay, let me see. Um, and so the bed – and so this is it calibrating. The nozzle's moving around the X and Y axis to calibrate to make sure everything is leveled. All right, so now it's going to start printing. Um, so this is the part where you have to be very careful because sometimes the plastic's melting as it's heating up and it can get jammed. Um, so this is like the most important part because when it prints the first layer, that's the most important layer of the print. Um, because it's the base layer, and so if something gets messed up and it keeps printing, it's going to start printing in midair and fail if you're not watching it. I've had a lot of prints where I tried printing when I was asleep, and I woke up, and it was just like a nest of random plastic, and it was so sad. <laughs> but yeah, so the printer's moving around, in, um, and it's basically stacking it layer by layer as it goes up. Um, and so right now it's printing paper clips that I got off Thingiverse. Um, yeah, and I'm printing with a wood filament. Normally, um, I printed chess pieces with this, and it was really, really fun. You just have to – the wood filament's a little difficult. It can kind of web a little bit, and so you have to kind of take a heat gun and clean it up or polish it if you'd like. Um, but do you see how much it's sticking to the bed? It really wants to stick because um, – so it doesn't move around and get messed up later on. Um, yeah. And so that's – it's going to print. <laughs> <laughs> and you said you've done this when you've been, like, sleeping – Oh, yeah, so I let it, I, like, set it, and then I, when I, it'll be, like, an eight-hour print. I'm like, all right, I'm going to bed. And then I wake up in the morning, and if she works, then she will have a print ready for me in the morning. Sometimes she doesn't, and I have to figure things out while I'm in class, but it's fine. <laughs> yeah. So we were discussing earlier that it needs a name. Yes, it needs, needs a name. name. I don't know what to name her. Oh, she's... I was thinking Ginger. Oh, I like that a lot, yeah, actually. Wait. Sassy oh my god. And, like, <gasps> I think that's the name. I think you got it. Wow, Yay. that was easy. Oh, I love it. No, I love naming Ginger. Things, yes, so. that's perfect. Because she's a little sassy, you know, and she likes to be difficult sometimes, but she's cool. She works hard. <laughs> so, as someone who is now, I would consider a pro compared to many of your peers in the way of 3D printing, what are some little tricks of the trade that maybe wouldn't be just in the manuals that you kind of had to like figure out on the way? For sure. Ooh, that's a good one. Um, and so, oh, okay. So, I think a lot of times, 
simplicity is key. And so I wouldn't, a lot of people like to complicate, overcomplicate their models. And I don't, and it makes the prints more difficult. Um, I think a lot of times too, for the sake of time, it's better to have your prints in separate pieces versus, so say you have something, um, like say you're printing a building or something, it's prints faster if you have it in different pieces and you kind of just glue it together. I know this because I had models that were due the next morning and I needed to print them in 10 hours, but it said it was going to take 20. And so I had to like figure things out and make it and kind of make it work. Um, another thing. Procrastination. Yes. Printer style. <laughs> right? At its finest. <laughs> um, another thing too is a lot of people get really messy prints and they don't know why. Um, they have to, you have to calibrate the Z axis very precisely. I always do like negative point seven or something. Just a lot of people start the Z calibration at zero, meaning it starts, the nozzle starts printing right at zero, but you want it to print a little bit lower so it's closer to the plate and so the layers print closer together and nicer. Yeah, so it's not like stacking and it's kind of, people's prints end up turning out messy and they don't know why, they blame it on the printer, but it actually is the calibration of the machine, like how tight you want your layers to be. It's your fault. (laughs) Yeah, it's all your fault, yep. Yeah, so this is going to take, actually, it's going to take 20 minutes to print. I can print her faster. So a lot of times you can tune your prints, too, to print faster. The quality is not going to be as good, but if you need to get, if you're a procrastinator like me and you need to get things done faster, you can get it done faster. Um, so right now I'm having it print at, like, 120, which is, like, very fast. Normally I have it done at, like, 80%. Um, but it, I've done it before at, like, 120, and it's fine. Do you have any future, like projects that you want to do coming up for 3d printing oh that's a good question Mm. um that's a good question so um i think for studio i want to print more models because it's my thesis studio and i want to do more like parametric design um it's just a little difficult to create the models for that i also really like making um little furniture pieces for like my house that are really tiny i want to like someday have my own like little trendy interior design company on the side you know with fun candles and stuff um (laughs) yes etsy actually have an etsy (laughs) with like resin art but like i want to oh i want to create 3d prints and cast them and then print um and then make them um concrete so print out like do like a theoretical vase and then cast it and then um, put concrete in it to make a concrete model so basically using as a prototype for a concrete model later so like vases or something like that, like a phone stand and things like that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's fun. I like it. Oh, it's just so crafty. It's so fun. I just wish I had more time because, you know, with school and work, you're always busy mm-hmm. and occupied. Um, I wish I had more time to hang out with Ginger, but <laughs> unfortunately I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so it is making how many paper clips? It's That's making- a good question. A lot. Uh, how m- One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I think she's going to make twelve. Okay, because you originally said like, I know. it takes like 10 or 20 minutes. No, for it's because it's for like, like 15. No, no, no. For one paperclip, it will take me two minutes. But I don't have that file on here because I'm lame. <laughs> You're good. So I know. for uh, listeners, basically what is happening is each of the paperclips were individually kind of outlined. And now they're just going to be um, drawn over many, many times mm-hmm. to create a thickness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the 3D-ness isn't like it's one 3d yeah piece mm-hmm. it's more like 
slowly building up from yeah. multiple 2Ds into mm-hmm. a 3D. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly, yeah. It just kind of stacks it up until you have the final print. So it kind of traces it. Like, you see this outline around the print. That's, like, the first layer. It's trying to, like, make sure all the jams are out and nothing is wrong. Um, it's kind of outlining the outside of the um, print. And then it'll outline on, on the bottom and start filling it in. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm out of questions. <laughs> Do you have any questions for her, Ryan? Does that smell normal? <laughs> yeah. No, it's just because it's melting plastic. That's why. Okay. Yeah, no, for sure. They, you usually have to keep it in a well-ventilated room, too. I have it, like, right next to my window, and I open it up. Um, This is, like, a small print, though. It's fine. Um, Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, podcast rooms are inherently, like, <laughs> non-ventilated. I know, non-ventilated at all. <laughs> no, it's not going to catch on fire, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> what? No, no, it shouldn't. It shouldn't. Yeah, it shouldn't. Yeah, I don't even smell it, no. so I think it's mostly on your side. Do you use these paper clips in like your daily life? No, I actually don't use a lot of paper clips. Otherwise, I feel like I would. If I had a wood filament, I mean, sorry, a metal filament, I would. They'd be more sturdy. I have plastic paper clips that I use sometimes, but it's like for my own organization. It's not really like turn it in. But otherwise, I would. Um, I never really turn in papers though. It's mostly digital for me. But absolutely, no, I've used, like, bottle openers before. Um, like, I need a bottle opener at one point, and I, like, just 3D printed one, and it was, like, oh, my God, this is the future. Wow. Like, it, honestly, too, like, this is the laziest thing ever. But can you imagine, like, if you didn't have any dishes and you just, like, didn't want to do the dishes, you can print a fork, <laughs> which is terrible and so wasteful. But, like, if you really need it, you can do it. <laughs> For sure. Have you printed yourself a phone case yet? Uh, I want to, but the th- my phone case is so efficient because it has my cards in it. Uh, it's one of those sliding ones, you know, because mm-hmm. I hate carrying on a purse, but otherwise I would. I want to get carbon fiber really bad and print one. What's it doing now? Huh? What's it doing And now? so it's, uh, it just keeps stacking over the layers to make it thicker. Um, and so just think of it like layering vertically. So like if you're stacking a cake, I guess, in a way, um, just to make it more 3D instead of just one flat print. Mm-hmm. What have been the weirdest? What have been the weirdest request that a friend has made for three oh. D printing? Something. Oh my God, that's a good question. Because um, college kids get weird. I know. You're right. You're right. Oh my God. Uh, oh, for Halloween in my t- ex talk, I talk about it that I printed beer holders, and so I had this friend who was asking me to make beer holders for snowboarding, and so make it so you can have. Uh, like clip them into your snowboarding pants and make it so they stay in there so as you're snowboarding and going down the hill like your beer will stay in (laughs) your belt and I was like okay (laughs) very interesting they're like yeah you should sell them I was like that's a good idea not gonna lie but I was just like wait what (laughs) hilarious though I love it very creative random little niche yes absolutely there's a target market somewhere that I that no one has gone for and maybe I need to go for it Eleven minutes. Okay. Yeah. Um, so but yeah. So we don't need to use all of this, but it's. No, for sure, and it's just gonna keep stacking too. So if you, the print could honestly be done now, if you wanted, it's just not gonna be as thick. Um, I can always stop the print if I ever, if I ever need to. If it ever fails, I can just stop it, and um, I can also pause it too. Um, the machine is made to where if there's a power outage, it will detect it and it'll remember the print and it'll continue it after. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's just based, that's like what's going on with the pricing of the printers. This one's more expensive just because it has really good software. Um, but other ones out there, like they don't have those features. Um, but you can always buy like a $300 one if you don't, 
if you're not printing anything fancy. There's also chocolate 3D printers, which I think is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> you can buy like a $300, $200 desktop one and print chocolate. Can you imagine like printing little chocolate houses and stuff? <laughs> That'd be so fun. Can you do chocolate on this one or no? Oh, yeah. So that's, I can't with this one because of the way the nozzle is fed. But there's um, 3D printers that have like a funnel that reaches out of the nozzle. And so you can fill that funnel with kind of anything and it just melts it and puts it together. So like people have put in concrete, like chocolate. Yeah, it's crazy. You can put a lot of different things. There's people out there on YouTube that like make their own 3D printers and kind of just ran- throw random things in there. It's insane. I love it. I bought my dad, or my mom and I bought my dad a 3D printer probably, like, five years ago, and he hasn't oh, really? touched it. No way! He's been too afraid to touch oh, it. Oh, see? See? He shouldn't be afraid! Yeah. Oh, my God, no he's way. He's a computer engineer, and he's no too way. afraid of touching it. Oh, my God, it's not scary at all. No! No! All right, so this seems, like, really complicated, kind of like, I I can't code, but kind of like how coding people think that that's intimidating. People think that 3D printing is intimidating. Um, does this require any coding? No, none at all. It actually doesn't. I don't have no idea how to code at all. I have friends who know how to code. And you should probably also mention that it's done now. Because like from when we stopped, we were still in the process of it. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're done. <laughs> the 3D printing has been completed Woo. and she has made beautiful um 12 paper clips. Yes, 12 paper clips. <laughs> yes, which Exactly. So, does this require any coding to do? Uh so none at all. I actually have no idea how to code. I've like looked at coding software. I literally have no idea how to start. I've like used it for like my Tumblr way back in like middle school, but that's like nothing. <laughs> um, no, I actually have no idea. Um my uncle knows how to code, but he doesn't use it for you he doesn't use it for his 3D printer. Um that's more of like creating the software and you don't need to work with that kind of software. When you're 3D printing, you honestly don't need to work with modeling software at all. You just need to be able to like download the model from a website if you don't want to model and then you can just make sure to export it as the right file type and put it into your printer and like hit print um so yeah it's not as complicated as people think it is people think it's there's so much programming like you said coding involved and there really isn't unless you want to like go through and mess with the software which i wouldn't do <laughs> so it's much easier than the usual like interpretation of ai oh for sure yeah it's so much easier oh my god no literally you can hit print and change the temperatures a little bit and that's it (laughs) that's like the basics of it yes (laughs) for sure awesome well thank you so much for like spending your time here with 3d printer thank you very much for bringing ginger Mm -hmm. yes thank you for helping me find a name for her i'm so excited (laughs) (laughs) and this has been spotlight on science i'm becky hoke And I'm Renee Dobray. And thank you for joining us. Thank you. I'm Becky Hogue, a science reporter for the Daily Emerald. To hear more from the Emerald Podcast Network, you can find us on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, and wherever you get your podcasts. And you can listen to these episodes right on the Emerald homepage at dailyemerald.com. Leave us a comment on SoundCloud or email us at podcast at dailyemerald.com.